Anyone fancy some free money this Christmas? That appears to be what's on offer from Paul Crane MLC as he asks Tinwell to support his motion which calls for the Isle of Man to benefit from the revenue generated on the seabed out to the median line between the Isle of Man and the UK. Scotland was granted similar benefits just prior to the independence referendum, so surely the Isle of Man has a strong case. Where does the petition originate? The petition has come from uh, Keith Kroosh and Philip Crane. Uh, Philip is actually a cousin of mine, but that's that's not why uh, I'm picking up this petition. Having said that they're the petitioners, the petition originated with Nigel Crow, who, who sadly passed away at the start of, of August. He, he'd been in, in hospice for a number of weeks. And Nigel is, is, is very well known for his work in, in heritage and culture and, and uh, family history, farm history, farm boundaries, Manx place names, etc. But in his um, last few weeks, the topic that was um, engaging him in hospice was the research he was doing on um, access to the maritime holdings in the Irish Sea that are nearer to the Isle of Man than, than anywhere else. And this is the petition that he wanted to see go to Timwell Court, not not to Timwell Hill, go to Timwell Court. And he contacted me to see would I um, work through with that. So I, I'm delighted to do that. You know, I think it's a, uh, a really interesting area that, that we do need to explore further. And for those who don't know, we have a territorial sea out to 12 miles. This uh, was granted to us uh, about in the in the 1990s sometime 1991 yeah, yeah 91 yeah. and uh, effectively we have pretty much full control of that territorial sea um, what your petition looks to do is to increase that area it's it's actually not an increase of the territorial sea because that would involve um, taking full rights and control over the the area around the Isle of Man. The territorial sea extends out um, twelve nautical miles, fourteen miles thereabouts, twenty two kilometres, you know, around the Isle of Man. And um, we don't get the full amount of it to the north because Scotland also has a territorial sea and 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 they meet, so so it's slightly curtailed to the north. Um, but what we're looking at here would be um, uh, getting certain types of um, access to certain types of activities in the area of the Irish Sea that is nearer to the Isle of Man than anywhere else. So it wouldn't be the equivalent of territorial sea rights. And this is crucial, in a sense, to um, what's happening here. If we were to extend the territorial sea... And if there was um, a wind farm inside the area that we'd extended into, or if there was a wind farm being planned inside the area we'd extended into, we would take on uh, the rights to make contracts with them, which would presumably end their existing contracts. And um, you could imagine uh, a, a lot of opposition from many quarters to that. The... Work that Nigel did, and, and I would say, as we've sat and looked at it and tried to be true to what he was doing, because the um, the other petitioners uh, uh, got engaged in this out of respect for Nigel and, uh, uh, and a willingness to take forward what he was working on. But the genius of it is that it is the gentlest possible approach you could make in this direction. So it, if... What's being asked here is to 
And for the Isle of Man to have a fair, just and reasonable um, access to the benefits of these holdings, we wouldn't take over the area that's um, actually the, the the rights lie with the with the monarchy with the, mm. the crown estate and, and and i suppose the isle of man is a crown possession that's why we're called a crown dependency the territorial waters surrounding the isle of man and territorial waters surrounding the uk are part of the crown estate so if it's the crown that surely the crown's not going to mind which of its governments actually has some of the financial benefit. Yes, that's a very interesting point. What is what we're looking at here would not change the rights of the crown to have control over this area beyond our territorial sea but nearest to it. It would not change the ownership of anything currently there or planned. It would not change our relationship with the United Kingdom. Um, as I say, it would not be an extension of our territorial sea. It would simply mean that um, when the Crown Estates um, put uh, fees, require fees from wind farm development is the easiest one to talk about, those fees go to the, um, to the Crown Estate. They give that to the government um, and uh, the government pays the Crown what used to be called the civil list, but is now strictly called the sovereign grant. And, and that's and, been and happening since 1760. The government you're referring to is the UK government in this instance. Yes, except that Nigel was acutely aware that back in 2013, when Scotland was looking to hold a referendum and separate out, um, work began on extending uh, those rights to the Crown Estate Scotland. And so almost half the... Um, exclusive economic zone of the United Kingdom is now handed over to Scotland. That goes up to 200 miles. This was established by the United Nations Convention on the Law of the Sea back in 1982. And so Scotland gets this uh, the benefits of a very considerable area. They, in return, have to pay a percentage to the Crown as the, the sovereign grant. The, the amount they're paying at the moment is um, this year is, is actually 12% of the, the benefits that they get. Um, and those benefits are, are, are very substantial. So we would be looking, um, Nigel was keen to see that the Isle of Man should follow the Scottish model. So um, we would have, uh, the, the Crown Estates would still um, lease out this, this seabed, enter into contracts, take the, the money from it. It would be paid to the Isle of Man government. Perhaps we would have to have a um, Crown Estate Isle of Man and we would then have to pay maybe 12% to... The, the crown, so the crown wouldn't lose anything from this, you know. Then that's you know they they're, they're not losers in this. There's a sense in which um, the only uh, group that would lose in this would be um, the uh, the government of well England or the United Kingdom, uh, as you put it. Uh, and and how how do you imagine the Isle of Man government would? Uh, or what sort of reception would the Isle of Man government get, do you imagine, uh, in a um, generally cash-strapped uh, UK uh, treasury uh, with similar uh, difficulty, financial difficulties to the Isle of Man, for the Isle of Man coming and saying, it's not fair, really we ought to be getting this, not you. Um, can you imagine that they're going to get a warm reception? Um, I, I fully recognise what you're saying, and, and this is where um, 
what Timwald's being asked to do on Tuesday is accept as policy that the Isle of Man um, should have the, the, the benefits up to the, the midway point. Um, I think there have been various attempts to do that in the past, not perhaps as gentle as this one, as, as I've said, the, the way it's being done. Um, and they've come to nothing. I think the feeling of um, uh, external relations, the, the meeting I had with a couple of, uh, of their officers, um, they thought the chances were slim. So I, you know, I understand what you're saying. But you can see the difficulty that if the question that you're asking is, isn't it um, fair and just and reasonable for the Isle of Man to have benefits um, of the... Uh, the, the um, assets that, that, are, that are being developed, the, the, the maritime uh, holdings. Um, is it fair for the Isle of Man to have those if it's nearer to us than, than any other jurisdiction? And, and the fairness of that is, is overwhelming. It, it, okay. It's a very clear it, yeah, argument, but yeah. fairness doesn't always come That's into right. it in politics. That's absolutely but, true. But I suppose what, what, well, what the, the motion, what the petition calls for is a share. It doesn't necessarily say all of the benefits. Uh -huh. um, and that's where what's going before um, Timwald on, on Tuesday is um, that Timwald um, adopts this policy of, of saying we should have the maritime benefits up to the halfway point and that council of ministers, it suggests, should um, enter into discussions with the Crown Estates Commissioners and with the Ministry of Justice to try and realise this, this policy. Um, yes, yeah, so the there would have to be room for negotiation because if you do have um, whether whether it would be um, a wind farm or, or, or some other sort of project um, they will need to sell their electricity and that's mostly to the UK so you could immediately see how discussions negotiations might work on that the petitioners very wisely I think have felt that they shouldn't attempt to communicate with those bodies because that begins the negotiation which the petition is asking for um, council ministers to take on. Um, I know some feedback from council ministers has suggested that maybe those sort of discussions would need to go on in some sort of um, uh, wider um, wider basis of the constitutional relationship between the two. You know, so um, it, it's going to be an interesting interesting debate on Tuesday, and it'd be interesting to see where it goes. But the the motion is there; it has to be debated. We have to have a vote on it, splitting the two two parts of the the motion, the commitment to the policy, and the council of ministers uh, engaging in discussion into two parts with separate votes. And it is possible that uh, the United Kingdom government might say, "Well, okay, we uh, we could potentially give you." <coughs> Uh, a, a proportion of this possibly this this could be worth tens of millions of pounds to the Alaman government if if the negotiations are fruitful um working with uh keith Cruz and phil crane we, we we did some research to try and identify what this might be worth and it's it's actually very very hard to say because the idea that there would be um, negotiations there it, it, what would be taken into account of that would it be taken into account how much the UK would pay for electricity and profits from production of which were going elsewhere that might take something off the amount but um, wind farms in the Irish Sea are currently paying in excess of 200 million a year for the for the options 
in relation to, to Crown Estates and so on. So um, I don't think we get figures as high as that, but you suggested tens of millions. That doesn't sound unrealistic. You know, these are, these are very valuable developments. Perhaps the difference um, between negotiating 10, 15, 20 years ago and now is uh, we don't have the rather uh, lucrative uh, VAT deal that had kept effectively propped up the the Manx mm-hmm. government for for a decade or more um, so potentially we're in, on more firm ground in having the negotiations than than we would have been when we still had that uh, very lucrative VAT arrangement i think that's true it, it comes back to the phrases used by nigel about this being a um a just fair and reasonable um Access to benefits, after all, this this seabed is nearer to us than any other jurisdiction. The areas we're looking at are mostly between uh, the Isle of Man and England on the on the southeastern side of the island. Um, it, it seems to make uh, very clear sense to to say, out of out of fairness, that we should have access to at least some of these rights. And of course, one of the things that we can't show on on radio is is pictures, and you've got some wonderful maps. One of which does demonstrate pretty clearly how developments in the area that that we're talking about, which would be potentially an, an Isle of Man economic exclusive economic zone, if we were completely independent, they they do have an impact on the Isle of Man these developments, not least in relation to the steam packet trying to tack a course through an increasing number of of wind farms. Yes, both the Morgan and the Mona wind farms to the southeast of us um, have, uh, within recent months, modified their footprint in response to the requirements of other users of the Irish Sea, which presumably includes Manx steam packet. So they've made adjustments for that. In terms of their impact. One of those wind farms is a 1.5 gigawatt wind farm, so that's 1,500 megawatts. Okay, it's a very big wind farm with less than 100 turbines planned for it, not yet built. So these will be 15 megawatt turbines. So, so this is big, you know, really, really big turbines. One of those wind farms is almost entirely within the area that is closest to the Isle of Man. It comes right up to our territorial sea limit which as I say goes out to 22 kilometers it comes from 12 nautical miles it comes right up to that it sort of skirts the edge of that and then extends outwards um, within this uh, area that's closest to us and, and that the, the area that, that we're talking about here the territorial sea occupies about 4,000 square kilometers and this an area that we would have these uh, additional access to benefits is probably over 4,000 square kilometres. So it doubles the size of it. But, uh, you know, I stress again that territorial sea is one thing. This area will be a different, different arrangement, different uh, um, opportunities. But nevertheless, he's, he's a, a very large wind farm that would be near, almost entirely nearer to us than elsewhere. It would also bring... The, the wind turbines we see off Douglas now, which is the Walney extension, that, that's, that's an Orsted field. The, the, um, some of those would be the, the end of that, the, the western end of that wind farm would be inside this area, you know. So, 
yeah, it gives like it does impact on us. We see this. The 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 uh, the other wind farm I talked about this that's not yet built but under development, coming right up to the edge of the territorial sea. That will be um, quite a bit nearer to us, seven kilometres or so nearer to us than than the wind turbines we're seeing on the Walney extension. So these will be very visible off the the eastern coast of the Isle of Man, uh, southeast coast. Um, so it, it it's uh, yeah, th- this is we clearly do have an interest in what's happening here. You know, it's not just a, a passing interest. Um, is this a, 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 um, a saw or a scab worth scratching at? Um, the, the, the constitutional relationship between the Isle of Man and uh, the, the UK is um, unwritten. It, it's not entirely clear. Um, is it an area that we really have the appetite, do you think, to be going after? Do you think the Alaman government, for example, is, is going to try and block this when it comes to Tinwald? Uh, on the latter, I, I don't think so, although maybe the second half of the motion um, could be open to amendment. There are different ways you could take that forward, and I think the petitioners have recognised that and, and uh, are not uncomfortable with that. But um, is it worth scratching at this saw? Um, I think that's... uh, I could understand that possibility. I could understand if government decided they didn't want to upset a constitutional relationship. But the reality is um, we do have financial issues. And, and, um, you know, it would be good to have more money available to government. And here we've got... um, areas of the surrounding seabed nearer to us than anywhere else and we're getting no benefit from that and and that you know does sound like a um well to call it an injustice that needs to be put right is 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 stepping it up again but if you go back to this what is fair and just and reasonable in terms of access to these benefits it, it seems utterly reasonable it seems like something you can't expect um a small independent nation simply to forego uh, th- those opportunities um, because of the way that uh, the United Nations Convention on Law of the Sea works out, which didn't allow small nations to get get a share of this. You, you, the, the, the crucial phrase in there is that you need to be a sovereign country. But sovereignty is is something that has changed. It's not what it was. And, and we've already got this Scottish example where a country that's not sovereign has been given access to the rights of the maritime holdings. We're not looking for anything more than has been given to Scotland. So the the reasonableness of this, and, and, and I would take that right back to Nigel Crowe's work, the reasonableness of this is um, absolutely fundamental. You know, this is not asking for the earth. It is asking for something that is fair just to reasonable. How, how does the arrangement work with uh, with Scotland? The Crown Estates have um, all of these uh, wind farms and, and some um, oil gas developments um, that they have licensed. You know, they've, they've been going through um, round five, I think, on the wind farm licensing. There have been some difficulties there because the government has been trying to charge too much for these and, and, and they, they had some uh, poorer take-up. But, you know, all around the northern coast of Scotland round into the, the, the North Sea. Um, the Crown Estates makes the relationship, sets up the, the amount uh, to be paid and so on. They 
um, collect that and hand it over to the Scottish Parliament in return for, as I say, currently 12%. That, that, that figure can vary, but that's what comes back in the sovereign grant. So effectively the Scottish <laughs> Government pockets 88%. Yes, and that must be a very substantial mm. sum. You know, I've not seen all the figures for every one of the wind farms around there, but that must be a very substantial sum. So looking at it on that basis, um, the, if the UK government has, has, has granted that to the Scottish government, w- which is less independent than, than the Isle of Man, mm-hmm. uh, it, it, it's quite a difficult argument for the UK government to turn around to the Isle of Man and say, actually, no, we can't do that. Uh, except, of course, that the Scottish situation was much more to do with internal UK politics yeah. than it was to do with fairness. And it's interesting to see that uh, the change was made in 2014, negotiated through 2013, made in 2014, which was the year of the Scottish referendum, of course. So to what extent there was pressure felt that if you said that if Scotland um, was, was independent, they would have had the rights to the seabed, okay? And the Isle of Man would be in that position, but... Um, I don't want to mix that up. This this petition, the motion to tumult, is not about changing the relationship between the, the Isle of Man and the UK. You know, we would remain a Crown dependency. We would take on no additional rights uh, other than we would have access to the um, benefits of the maritime holdings, which which is is really clear. You know, it, it, it is, as I say, the genius of it is this is the gentlest way I can imagine of, of attempting to begin a discussion about whether or not the Isle of Man should get access to some of these benefits. So two predictions I'm looking for from you then. First one is how do you think you're going to get on in uh, the December Tinwald? Are are you going to (coughs) succeed? And the second prediction is if you do succeed, um, how, how likely do you think the prospect is of this being successful? Okay, I think the first of those is much more likely than the second. You know, I think the the petitioners at times have talked about this being a David and Goliath situation. You know, that uh, it could be hard. On the first, will we will we get it through um, Tinwald on Tuesday? I I think I would say there's a good chance. You know, I've heard some people with some reservations. There are some people who, who are keeping their cards close to their chest, but others have said, you know, why wouldn't we do this? You know, why? It, we're, only, we're only looking to begin talking about it. You know, it, it, it's no declaration of anything. It's just begin talking. So I think there's a, um, there's a chance, you know, I think there's a reasonable chance of, of getting the first part of it through. The second part, how we go about it, is it council ministers that begin having discussions and, and what form they should take? Um, that that may be may be different, and and I think that's that's crucial that that's thought through and considered. I, you know, I don't know the full extent of current discussions that take place either with the the Crown Estate Commissioners or the Ministry of Justice. Um, so it, it, you know, it'd be happy to um, take a lead from others on that. In a sense, uh, is it likely to be successful? I go back to what was suggested by officers from uh, the external relations. They thought. It would be slim, you know, and it's back to this issue of um, do we have a record of the United Kingdom um, doing uh, doing the, the, the morally right thing, even if their um, their own interests are not served by that? Um, nothing too conspicuous in that direction, I think, is, is a fair way of putting it.
That was Paul Crane, MLC. His motion goes to Tynwald this week and would appear to have a fair chance of success. Is there any point in asking the UK government to give us the money? It might be fair and equitable for them to do so, and they set a precedent with Scotland, but they're also strapped for cash and need every penny they've got. Do we risk provoking our large neighbour into considering other aspects of our constitutional relationship? Or do you think this is a welcome first step in gaining the control our nation rightly deserves? Don't forget, this programme is available as a podcast on Manx Radio's website. For now, though, I'm Phil Gorn. Goramayu. Thanks for listening.